This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Hi, I'm Hanif Baharuddin and this is Gigi Well Played, the show that talks about all things video games. This week, we're going to share our impressions of the Mass Effect Legendary Edition, Bioware's epic sci-fi trilogy that has now been remastered and was released recently. But before that, here's a look back at some of the biggest news in the world of gaming with Ali Johan and Ofnil Ting. Thank you, Hanif. Alright, heading uh, into our roundup of uh, this week's news. First up, Sony and Guerrilla Games have finally released the first gameplay footage for Horizon Forbidden West, the highly anticipated sequel to the hugely successful Horizon Zero Dawn in their State of Play showcase last week. Do check out the 19-minute trailer online to bask in the full glory of the game. So far, no release date has been announced yet, but we were shown some new gameplay mechanics, including Aloy having a holographic hang glider now, a la Link in The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, and something that looks like a grappling hook. She also traversed through the ruins of San Francisco that showcase not only a beachside area, but also underwater. And of course, uh, the trailer also featured new enemies, including a mammoth-like machine called Thermotusk that's controlled by a rebel group in that area. The trailer looks stunning and exciting. And again, please do check it out online. You won't regret it. That's right. The trailer is captured on PS5, but the game will also be released on the PS4. So let's hope the PS4 version will look as good as the PS5 version. Okay, on to the next piece of news that was not the only trailer released last week. Techland also released a new gameplay trailer for Dying Light 2, Stay Human. In Dying Light 2, you become Aiden Caldwell, an outsider trying to unravel a tangled mystery from his past. Its trail leads him to the city, probably the last bastion of mankind in the world. The new gameplay trailer for the parkour-infused open-world zombie sequel revealed new details including the return of the day and night cycle as well as more information about the story set 20 years after the first game and featuring the returning protagonist, Aiden Keltwell. Uh, players are now also able to make choices to determine which factions uh, become allies and which become enemies, uh, with story choices also supposedly affecting the narrative and ending. Yeah, quite interestingly, the game went through a very tumultuous development process, but it seems that they can now see the light at the end of the tunnel as they also announced the release date for the game in the trailer. It is scheduled for release on PlayStation, Xbox and PC on the 7th of December this year. Be on the lookout for it, folks. Um, okay, next one from Open World Survival Horror to JRPG. Square Enix has also officially announced the next series in its Dragon Quest franchise. It's called Dragon Quest XII, The Flames of Fate. And it was announced last week to mark the series' 35th anniversary. Wow, already 35 years know, of right? Dragon Quest. Uh, sadly, there weren't many details actually revealed alongside the announcement, except for the logo of the game. Uh, they are apparently planning for it to be released simultaneously worldwide, but no release date was announced as well as uh, on which platform the game will be released on. But regardless, fans of the franchise can now look forward to the next installment in this franchise. 
Last but not least, another rumour regarding the new Nintendo Switch. According to Bloomberg, the upgraded Switch might be released uh, as early as September or October this year, with Nintendo reportedly ready to announce it before E3 next month. The assembly will most likely start in July and will be priced higher than the current Switch model. Bloomberg Report also said that there is a high likelihood that this model, which many have dubbed the Switch Pro, will eventually replace the current standard model. Uh, it will be sold alongside the cheaper and portable only Nintendo Switch Lite. As for the reason why they are planning to announce it earlier before E3, uh, it's most likely to allow publishers to showcase their full range of Switch games at the global event. Um, and as reported previously, the new Switch might feature a 7-inch OLED display from Samsung and a faster NVIDIA Corp graphics chip that will be able to output 4K resolution when docked to a TV. Wow. Uh, so for potential Switch buyers out there, you might want to hold on to that purchase until this news is confirmed. Uh, and then you can perhaps decide which version you'd like to get if it is uh, indeed true. Okay, that's all we have for this week's recap. It's been Ofnil and Ali Joe. Back to you, Hanif. Thank you very much, Ali and Ofnil. Let's go for a short break. Up next, our impressions of Mass Effect Legendary Edition BioS sci-fi epic that was recently remastered. Stay tuned, this is Gigi Well Played on BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9, you're listening to Gigi Well Played. I'm your host, Hanif Baharudin. One of the most celebrated series in the gaming world, the original Mass Effect trilogy, recently received a facelift in the form of Mass Effect Legendary Edition. This is a bit embarrassing to admit, but I have never actually played any of these games before. Yes, I feel bad about it, but I'm so happy when I found out about the release of this remastered version of the trilogy. So I look forward to it and I'm currently playing the game for the very first time. Considering that we get three games in this edition, Mass Effect 1, 2 and 3, it's gonna take us a bit of time to do an actual review. So for now, we're just going to give our immediate impressions of this edition, especially for the first game, which received the most improvements out of the three. Joining me, a first-timer of the franchise, are Najman Maliki and Kelvin Yee, veterans of the trilogy. They've played the games multiple times and, like me, have started playing this edition too. Take it away, guys. Um, I, I don't mind going first. So my initial thought is... Um I was very sceptical. Uh. My initial thought before playing the game, I was uh, extremely sceptical. But I think that is that was good because um, that um, set a low bar, of course, um, for myself. Uh, but also, the second thought is, alright, do I have enough in my bank account to, to burn in my wallet? Because I definitely am going to get the game. Lah, which I did. And that's why I'm here. And I think my, my, my impression of... Um, spoiler alert, I've finished the whole... Uh, the first uh, episode. Um, and um, uh, I'm in love uh, I, I, I'm blown away uh, I'll go into details later But that's my first impression It started out a bit rough for me actually Because I really forgot How clunky Some of the mechanics were And I had played the first game I think two to three times Safer to say twice lah. And oh my god The first level that you get into is just rough because you realize oh no this doesn't work that doesn't work and oh this is how the power system works oh this is how the guns work and this what the, you, you're crouching behind a rock and they still uh, somehow uh, the enemies are still able to shoot you so not like the first best impression but then the moment I think we got into uh, the city this uh, city satellite uh, satellite city whatever you call it citadel that really just reminded me how much I missed and how much I loved the game because that's also where the star characters all start coming in right there in your squad in your party and it really 
just like I think the same feeling for some people who are watching um, Friends the reunion right now. You're like, oh, my old friends are here. I think that's the same feeling I got the moment I started meeting all my different squad members again. I'm like, oh, okay. Now I remember why I'm so in love with this game. Yeah, I, I think if I can, sorry, add a little bit more on um, how I felt. It's ex- almost exactly like if you've ever watched an old movie like The Iron Giant or maybe even Star Wars, um, like episode four, uh, when you were young, right? And then you're telling that story again to your significant other, for example. In your head, it's so pretty. Um, and playing this game, replaying this game at this kind of like new high resolution textures and stuff really reminded me, as Ascal said, um, how pretty it is as a game. It actually, it holds up really, really well. The Botox is awesome. Um, but yeah, la, I mean, like you tend to gloss over how clunky the game is. Yeah. Yeah, interesting because I think uh, as I was telling Kelvin earlier before we record, uh, before we have this conversation, I miss a whole generation of gaming. Um, the I guess, I mean, if you want to look at it, you know, from the console's perspective, uh, I miss the whole PS3, Xbox 360 era. And I know this game was first released on Xbox 360, if I'm not mistaken. So because I miss those generation and I skipped that generation, essentially, uh, from PS2 jumping to straight to PS4, I sort of have gotten used to, quote-unquote, what we call now as, as modern gaming, right? Maybe technically they're not considered current anymore because of, you know, PS5 has been released. But uh, because... I yeah I skipped the whole generation when I first played Mass Effect. Um, my impression was of it was that okay this game is old. You can tell that it's old, and there are a lot of things that are um, you know quality of life improvements that you are sort of like used to these days. You know when it comes to modern games, you know in terms of you know when you press for example the pause button or the the trackpad, you will immediately get the map in your menu. Right, you don't have to navigate around different menu just to open the map. So these are the little little things that I think you can tell that the game is, is like pretty old because you know you have to click through like three steps in order to get to the map, right? Gameplay-wise, I agree with Kelvin. It's a bit clunky. But then again, because I'm still trying to get used to the world and even, you know, eight hours in, uh, I still feel like, okay, there are a lot more things that I'm still learning about the game. Um, but it is definitely kind of, kind of rough. And I think uh, as an action RPG, I think it feels a lot more like an, like an old-fashioned RPG rather than like a proper action RPG that I've played um, recently, like Horizon Zero Dawn, the combat is definitely more intuitive compared to Mass Effect. But I can say that the story is very interesting. Like I am drawn into the story and the relationships that I am currently building with all the other characters. But like the typical RPG player that I am, I am doing a lot of side missions as well. So I'm pretty much distracting myself with all of that. Um, yeah, so so let's, let's get deeper into it, right? Um, how does it compare to the original? Like in terms of the experience, uh, for example, I think I've seen some videos where they showed us that they've changed the UI even, like to look more, I guess, up to par with all the other sequels as well. So, so what are some of the, I guess, adjustments that they've made that make you feel like, okay, maybe this is a more quote-unquote modern experience? And does it feel much, much better than the previous iteration? Um, I honestly haven't opened the old Mass Effect yet. So I haven't been able to really make like a direct uh, comparison, but... Looking at some of the older videos, you know, and of course I'm like very starkly reminded by uh, the difference mainly is in the lighting. The lighting is obviously so much brighter in the Legendary Edition and that makes good sense. Uh, It does help uh, make the game neater, nicer to look at. But I I think even with those elements changed, um, some of the UI is fixed. Some of the, I guess, you know, like you were saying, the quality of life adjustments are also there, right? It does look a bit neater, but... As you play it, you'll still find that the game is still 
Egypt, uh, Egypt, or Egypt. I can't remember what the <laughs> the word is, but you get what I mean. Like even if you were to um, go back to the, the first edition of Mass Effect, you'll eventually realize that oh, okay, well the gameplay is not that much different. I think in just the, just in this one, the leveling is a bit easier. The UI is just a bit nicer. The coloring, uh, the shading, the shadow work. All much better. The aliasing is also the anti-aliasing is also much better. But that uh, only goes so far, right? You still have um, the things that they can't change. Where back then, I guess some of the facial animations were more suited, or like the way they designed the faces were more suited to the lighting back then. So if you see some of the characters, they do look very weird. Their eyes kind of go a bit all over the place, and some of their skin tone is also a bit off. Like uh, one of the father-like figures, I guess, in the game to you, uh, Captain Anderson. He sometimes has this very weird bug-eyed look on his eyes. And um, <laughs> does that take away from the immersion? Just a bit. Uh, Counselor Udina as well. It is part of the immersion, man. <laughs> uh, it is part of the immersion, right? Are they actually human? They say they represent humans, but why did he got these like weird eyes going on? So those are the things that, that still happen. The, the shading uh, on the skin just doesn't work with the new lighting. But... Um, you know, your shepherd, your character looks great. Your teammates look great. Uh, the animations there are all fine. And again, I think the main key for me uh, for this game hasn't, for, for Mass Effect at least, the, the first game, hasn't really ever been about the combat. It hasn't really ever been about the way that, well, okay, you want to shoot. It's not a shooter per, per se. You realize eventually that hiding in cover is pointless because the enemies will still shoot at you. So just more or less out in the open and shooting everyone. I think the main draw of Mass Effect is the fact that the first game is so good at world building. It's so good at character building. You're slowly learning about all these new um, species. You're learning about your culture, you're learning about your history. And you're really learning about the different personalities of your teammates, but also all the different characters that exist. And that has always been the main draw for me, right? Like I could not care about the combat. I could just play it out in casual and just still have the best time ever with this game because that's that's the main focus. Um, I'm taking so long because I am literally walking around listening to unimportant NPC characters talking about their lives, talking about, oh, I've made rearrangements in my office. I'm like, oh, really? Tell me more. And I'm just standing there to listen. And those are the things that I, I really enjoy about this game. And that's why even just going through the codex, going through your journal, looking at everything, reading everything. That's what I used to do in the first game. That's why it took so long to play the first game. This time around, uh, you know, as a working adult, unfortunately, I have a bit less time, but I'm still trying my best to redo that experience because that, that's the bit I enjoy the most. I think one of the things that I love about Mass Effect, as Kelvin just said just now, I think it was one of the earliest games that I personally have played that my conversations have effect in the world. Um, so basically, like if I say this, something else might happen versus if I say that. It's a bit like that D&D feel where your choices are all, quote-unquote, all important. And and reliving that is, is really awesome. I, I do have to say that um, like if I were to compare, this is just all based off my memory, right? So the thing, I think, to answer your question roughly, Hanif, the thing that really is weird for me i guess is the gap between mass effect 3 and mass effect 1 oh yeah um, because obviously like kelvin and i would have ended mass effect 3 until we played um legendary edition right so we are replaying mass effect 1 in my head i still remember the controls to be like mass effect 3 at least and I, I just realized like, wow, Mass Effect 1 is super concrete. I would love to know how you feel and if like in, in, in using powers and like commanding your party. But I struggled a lot. I would say like 
towards the last 20% or maybe the last 10% of the game uh, in, in Mass Effect 1 Legendary Edition is when I started to really use my party's like positioning. Because positioning is really hard for me in Mass Effect 1, like now. Characters because, don't seem to follow your instructions sometimes yeah. also. Or they get I, stuck in between the environment or just between each other. Yeah, and sometimes, like, I mean, personally for me, like I'll tell one of my party members to just like sit there and the other one sit the other side. And like, next thing I know, everyone is just like <laughs> with me and just dying. <laughs> but yeah, I think that's one of the biggest differences um, just gameplay-wise. Because if you're coming from, uh, if you're if you're legacy from uh, Mass Effect 3, right, years ago, your mindset would be coming from Mass Effect 3 and not from Mass Effect 1. You're not replaying Mass Effect 1. You're actually quote-unquote playing a new game. But, Still, it doesn't kill the mood for me because I think my fact is mainly the story, which is something, again, I would love to know what you think, Hanif, uh, because I always have a couch gamer playing beside me, not really playing. Basically, my partner would just sit beside me to look at the gameplay. Like She will just basically like, oh, uh, you guys are, are doing this on Horizon. Oh, oh, oh um, Jin Sakai is doing that on, on Ghost of Tsushima, things like that. Mass Effect, I just realized that it's so mass. It's so massive that um people sorry that was a bad pun. It was so it's so huge, right? It's a, such a huge game, like Kelvin said, that it's really hard for a couch game or rather like uh, uh, just person who is watching you play to get in the story unless you don't do anything else aside from like really just pouring into the game. So yeah, I'm just curious to see whether you, Hanif, as a new player, feel like the story is a bit too overwhelming for you and if the controls is a bit too clunky for you coming from like AAA games, recent games especially. Yeah. What do you think? Good question. I'm going to answer the the technical aspect first, the gameplay aspect first, because I think that's easier to, to tackle. Um, I've played around nine hours or eight hours plus. Uh, yeah, so for me, apart from trying to make do with the fact that it feels very clunky and it feels very old, you can tell that it's old, it's the fact that I still haven't mastered uh, <laughs> a lot of the gameplay either. Uh, like you guys said, um, I don't really know how to control my my squad members yet and I've been picking the wrong squad members to the different missions resulting in some of them dying before me <laughs> so I I don't know how to utilize them yet I've, I've just let them do their thing and I don't know whether they're contributing to the battle sometimes it feels like I'm doing all the hard work <laughs> all the heavy lifting um, Shepard being Shepard <laughs> it, it is only after I've started to put an emphasis towards um, having more combat-based squad members that I guess they're still around uh, to help me out. Uh, because before this, I, I sort of like try to prioritize um, having a balance as opposed to thinking about oh what kind of mission I'm supposed to tackle. And because it's part of the part of the experience as well, right? Uh, that you don't know what's going to happen, right? So you I can't assume that, oh, okay, I need probably I need someone with a tech skill. Uh, but because initially that's what I thought, like, okay, maybe I need to bring a balanced squad so that I can perhaps survive whatever's going to be thrown at me. Uh, but instead now, I, I think maybe I should go with a more like a make sure it's more combat driven so that at least if it gets into a, a sketchy situation, which it will usually eventually uh, do, uh, at least I, I, I sort of like know and have all the the right squad members to sort of like help me out with. But um, you, you guys are right. Um, sometimes Rex and Ashley will just suddenly be standing in front of me in my line of sight as I was about to tackle and fight all the other enemies. That happens. I still haven't mastered the, the whole squad base thing. Uh, powers, yeah, we were talking about this with Calvin as well. 
I don't know whether we have flowers yet, but that's also because I have been focusing a lot more on doing all the side missions. I guess I spent around three, four hours at the Citadel doing all the side missions as well, which I guess um, goes back to whether it's overwhelming for me as a uh, as a new RPG, right? Uh, I guess for me, um, it's always overwhelming when you want to start a new game, right? A new, especially an RPG game that is very law-driven, that tries to build its world around you, right? And I remember the first time I opened, <laughs> opened the game and I saw all the codecs, I was like thinking, I, I was like, okay, maybe I should do a bit of reading and read all this thing. And I realized at one point it becomes a bit boring, <laughs> a bit passive. <laughs> I was like reading, I mean, as much as I'm invested, but I, I was like sitting for like 10 minutes reading all the codecs. I'm not like thinking, okay, you know, this is like, why am I reading in front of my monitor? <laughs> I should be <laughs> holding, a, holding a controller, right? Okay, maybe I should move around and do other things. And initially I was a bit, it was kind of like overwhelming for me um, that I sort of like take my time with it slowly. But eventually as I got into, um, as I started speaking to a lot more characters in the game, then it became a bit more exciting for me to, to start helping them out and, you know, start doing all the random errands for all these characters in the Citadel. And right now I'm trying to just, I guess, balance it out a bit in the sense that um, I try to do a bit of side mission, which is typically my play style when it comes to games like this, you know, doing a lot more. I like to do side missions first uh, before tackling the main mission or at least cover like multiple side missions before proceeding with, with the main story, right? Um, so I've been doing that. Um, but at the same time, I try not to, I guess, read so much if it's not really necessary. So I, I don't really read my codex. I haven't read my codex in, in a while now. And also when it comes to all the planets that you're supposed to quote-unquote explore or discover, I've just been checking them out and see whether I can visit these planets or it's just a matter of like whether or they just they just contain whatever, you know. 70% methane or whatever, 80% helium or whatever, those, those other things. I'm like, okay, cool. Uh, so yeah, it's a bit of that. Um, I realized that, yeah, the story, the story is drawing me in, yes. Uh, but at the same time, I am letting the story happen to me via all the characters as opposed to reading up a bit more about it. So, so it still feels a bit, I'm intrigued. I'm drawn into it, but I'm still looking forward to seeing a lot more. And when I have the time, probably I'm going <laughs> to read the codex like, eventually. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, you can play the whole game without going through the codex. It's fine because there's already so much um, that the side missions have. There's already so much that the main mission has. Uh, really, you don't have to uh, if you're because yeah. eventually you 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 won't even have to read it on the game itself. Just go to like the Mass Effect Wikipedia run by fans or something. Yeah, I totally agree with that. It's a lot like you're reading Lord of the Rings. You don't have to read the the similarities, but yeah, if you yeah. want to. <laughs> If you're really like into it, you can read Children of Hurin and understand that. I yeah, but yeah, the the game itself should be sufficient for you to understand lah. Later, after you finish it, you can go through the codec. <laughs> it's interesting that you mentioned that because I think the first thing that I did when I started playing it was actually read the history of the uh, how the alliance was formed, and you realize that oh okay, so the alliance was formed much much later, you know, because. Yeah, that's how far behind the human race are in the game, right? Uh, compared to all the other civilizations. So, so I was like pretty intrigued with that. But eventually, yeah, it, it did get a bit overwhelming in the sense that, yeah, you know, when you're holding a joystick a controller, you expect to be, you know, doing a lot more than just push a button. Not and holding read, right? the joystick <laughs> controller. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, overall, um, perhaps you guys, apart, we already talked about the technical aspect of the game. Um, maybe just... Yeah, tease out a bit, you know, why Mass Effect is considered like one of the best sci-fi game, sci-fi trilogy in, in, in gaming, right? You know, why, why is it such a big deal? And what, especially, what, what is it about the first game? You know, Calvin, I think you've alluded to it, the fact that I think it's so good at building the franchise. 
or at least setting up setting up the franchise as a whole. Uh, but what what else does it do in 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 I guess what's the impact of 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 it? You know, beyond just the gaming side of things, because I think to a certain extent, Mass Effect also is the game that puts uh, Bioware. Uh, on the map, right? Beyond Kotor, right? I mean, Kotor, they got a good reputation with Kotor, but I guess Mass Effect was the one that, I guess, sealed their reputation in the gaming industry back then, lah, right? Yeah, I actually played Kotor because of Mass Effect. I played oh. The Knights of the Old Republic because um, I know Bioware is a good company <laughs> because of Mass Effect. Um, yeah, to, to kind of answer your question just now, Hanif, for me personally, uh, the huge pull factor for Mass Effect is just... It's just a storyline. It's just a, the way the story has been written, or, or and, and and told to you. It's like watching this immensely uh, interactive movie, right? And I think it's so the dialogue. It's so good. Um, like the way they they they, they tell the narrative of different people of like did I mean like they take racism to the next level <laughs> by just including species. But yeah, like seeing how one species felt like they should decide the fate of a whole other species is interesting to me. And like seeing how one small, seemingly unimportant side quest actually have a have a slight ripple effect uh, in your... Uh, one, one thing to note as well about Mass Effect 1, 2 and 3, the stuffs that you've done in number 1 will be carried over to number 2 and will be carried over to number 3. Yes, you can actually create a new version of that. Say if you want to... Uh, if, you, if you just do want to do a, a, a different playthrough, um, you can in Mass Effect 2 just say, uh, I'm creating a new character and this is what I decided that I actually did. Things like that. But, but if you do follow through it you'd understand like a deeper meaning behind what happened and stuff like that so without trying to spoil too much um there is a certain race that is not playable for example right i'm just giving an example of how deep the story goes but there's a certain race that you can't play that you will have the option to save and once you do and if you do sorry in number two and or number three that particular race is going to somehow affect you. And they usually... Okay, this is another thing that I've realized that until today, most games don't actually do as well. Definitely movies don't do this lah. But they will give you such a hard dilemma that you definitely think that um, if you do A, it's totally reasonable. Or if you do B, it's totally reasonable. And when I sit down with you and Kelvin and I say, hey, did you decide to do that? And we probably would have very different answers. And, and then that's something that we can talk about a lot more further. And that's something that I really enjoy doing when I first played the whole series uh, with my friends, right? Because we played individually, um, but we got together and just like sembang and said, hey, hey, Kel, uh, did you actually save that person? Or did you actually kill that species? Like, did you like genophage them? And Kel might say, oh, yeah, I did. And I would say, why? Why did you do that? And his reasons would be just as legit as my reason and things like that. I think the narrative is so good lah with this game. Um, being an RPG, being a shooter-ish game, it's it's really eye-opening to see like how how massive the the uh, story pull to me is lah. That's my main attraction to it. Yeah, definitely. And it's also the fact that 
every single character has a very attractive and strong personality. And you can like it, you can dislike it, but I think that's that's undeniable, right? They all have their own solid traits and that's also crafted into the writing. Even Shepard, the, the character you play, they're not a blank canvas, you know? Uh, Shepard has... Uh, their own attitude has their own personality it's not like the case of Fable where you are really like self-inserting this character but what ends up happening is that in Fable your character feels kind of empty because they don't really have anything going on for them they don't they have some sort of history but like the reactions to whatever events they go through feels very blank and really credit to the kinds of voice actors they manage to get right they have people like Jennifer Hale they have people like uh, Mark Mir, uh, Seth Green and Keith David, all stars and they, they really do their roles so well and uh, just to give a slight hint as to my disinterest in Andromeda, the Andromeda cast was much less um, stellar and the performance left a lot to be desired but Mass Effect, they really nailed that down, right? Perhaps when um, the rates for these voice actors uh, were much more affordable, they, they could do it <laughs> and Bioware has this spirit and, and it's, it's seen in a lot or most of their games, right? This kind of essence, Bioware's essence, you can sort of feel it when you play Dragon Age as well, which I'm also a huge fan of because they also do this world building. They also do this like, oh, you make a decision and then it carries forward all the way to um, the next three, four games. And that matters. Your decisions matter. And the same thing is uh, true of uh, Star Wars as well. The way they did it, it's, it's very much different. It's very much in their own style. Unfortunately, I don't think we're seeing anything from Bioware that has that same essence anymore. I'm not <laughs> sure if that's credit to the purchase uh, from EA. <laughs> I have a feeling it is because it's, it's well, really you, changed after uh, that. Corporates are good, Calvin. Corporates are never evil. Um, sure. I'm, oh, I'm sorry. I, 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 I think my tongue slipped. EA is excellent. They've been voted the best company several years in a row now. <laughs> but yeah, I feel like they've, they've really lost that. And I think to me, that's why Mass Effect and Dragon Age are both such precious games to me because I don't think we'll ever, for, for a very long time, we'll ever see a game that's just like this, that um, you fall so deeply into the law and into the characters and into their little lives. You actually don't have to care, but you end up caring. Um, of course, I'm not saying this is for the, the case for everyone. And, and you might end up not actually liking Mass Effect. And that's totally fine because it's just a, a, a moment in sci-fi. And I really think that uh, Mass Effect, this, this fantastic space opera, if you miss it, okay. But like, you know, I'm so excited you know, for, for you, Hanif, to actually yeah. start playing it from scratch because like, yeah. my God, I wish I could emulate that experience again. I, I wish I could forget this game play it again and then forget it again and play it again but yeah. I, I can't I've really had the experience yeah I've heard I've heard that a lot and I think it's a testament to how strong the franchise is when I guess because again I've been spoiled by the more modern games these days that are a bit more I guess cinematic right that the fact that you know eight hours in, nine hours in, it's not exactly the most cinematic of games and yet you hear these kind of comments among fans that are I guess truly mesmerized by the franchise right so so I guess um Sometimes at the end of the day, you can't beat a good story as much as you know you have like good good budget for a highly cinematic approach to your games or whatever. I guess at the end of the day, a good story is a good story, right? And I am looking forward to I guess experiencing it, um, taking my time with it, taking my own sweet time with it. Um, and granted, this is just an impression because I guess we still have. 
two and a half games for for us to cover, right? Well, at least with the case of Najman, he has finished the game. But yeah, since Najman, you have finished the game, uh, the first game. Um, overall, was it a much better experience compared to, I guess, the first time you played it? At least in totality as a package, you know, Mass Effect Legendary Edition, uh, a remastered version of the first game. Um, definitely a much better experience. Like at least uh, an improved version of the game that you played uh, years ago. Yes, I, I definitely say short answer, yes. Um, long answer, um, it's yes with an acquired taste. The reason I say that is because as we've put it so far, you can tell that this game is is not your typical point and shoot. It is draggy. The storyline is not like if you've played Ghost of Tsushima recently where there's one almost linear storyline. This game is not that linear storyline. You have to like or rather you will be thrown into this very complex world where you have to read a lot, where you have to like listen to a lot of people, talk to a lot of people. But in it uh, is the beauty, uh, in, in my view. It's it's not instant gratification, but it will make you feel that that effort you've put in is so worth it. Um, and the remaster uh, that we're getting now is so... I mean, it bridges that gap, like, in, my, in my view. It bridges the gap between you playing this in 2021 and having no experience whatsoever. Again, it's like telling... If I, if I were to ask you guys, hey, if I were to start watching Star Wars Episode Four now, uh, even like the quote-unquote remastered version, would it be would it still be okay? I would argue it would still be okay. Uh, but but you still have that small requirement of like having an open mind to enjoying the the slight uh, dragginess. But if you... If you just try and push through that a little bit, you're gonna be like blown away by, by the game. I would say, yeah. Um, also, uh, I guess a slight upside is that it gets a ton better just one episode after. <laughs> so like, I <laughs> I was mind blown by the opening scene of Mass Effect Two. I just started it like uh, a couple of days ago. And I played it for like like half an hour and um, alone. Uh, and I really had to like stop and like call my partner to come in and like replay the whole thing again. Just because I was mind blown by the remastered version. I know uh, that she's never seen the original version, but like... Even if you've never seen the original version, the remastered version looks so good um, for episode two. And it's only, again, going to get better in episode three. So if you're a newcomer, seriously, start playing that. It's like watching Star Wars episode four <laughs> and then going to five and then going to six. And you're just going to be like, wow, <laughs> technologically, this is really awesome. Yeah. I would really also just urge people to hang on. If you're playing the first game, you find the combat clunky. Let me tell you, you have to also, I think, keep in mind that the games came out five years apart each, right? Uh, if I'm not mistaken. And that's why the mechanics are so different. But if you get into the second game, combat vastly improves. And in fact, people say, and among a lot of uh, fans, Mass Effect 2 is the best game ever out of the three. So if you feel like you have to work through Mass Effect 1, Mass Effect 2 is a great prize uh, to look forward to. Yeah. All right, and I'll I'll definitely be doing that. Um, but yeah, Calvin, last maybe last words from you. Um, as a huge fan of Mass Effect, like we've I guess established this earlier, um, is it good to to finally be able to come back to to the game now, uh, at least in this repackaged version? You know, we are about to already heading into the next stage of uh, lockdown. So having this as my source of escapism 
is very nice because I can't get out of my house. I can only go to the office now and then to get my work done. But, you know, with Mass Effect, I'm allowed to go elsewhere, play a different character, live a different life where disease like COVID-19 isn't a problem. Uh, only only genophage, lah. Eh? Uh, well, genophage is... Uh, that's not our species issue, don't worry. We created it, maybe, uh, or are part of it, but we don't have to worry about it. It, it won't affect us, you know. So that, that's a nice escape to get into at this point in time. You know, for, if you can afford it, really, honestly, Man- Mass Effect Legendary Edition is uh, such a great deal. It's 250 ringgit for a AAA game and three games like that. So I think that is more or less like under 100 ringgit per game. It's a really good deal. Um, I would really vouch for, for people to try and play it though I think a slight warning is that when you get to three you'll realize also how heartbreaking the game is but we'll get into that later <laughs> I, I do have a couple of points um, I would love to bring up as well um, which is uh, one okay this is just like a like a cheat sheet lah, eh, for people who are coming fresh um, this is an old game guys so they don't expect you to not save Meaning they expect you to save a lot, <laughs> so yeah, one, one, one. Because like if you're coming from, if you're coming from um, Hitman Three, you're not gonna save stuffs, right? Because you're you're you you're already having the auto save almost immediately everywhere. This is not that kind of game. Like if you forget to save, like at the start of the mission, you're gonna go back to like a while back. Um, that's one thing. And the other thing is, um, it, just in case you're curious, because um, I started playing Mass Effect. Or rather, I finished the trilogy on PC, um, and now I'm replaying it on PS4. If you're coming from PS4 to the, going to PC, or coming from PC going to PS4, it's good. Regardless, it's really good. You've been tuning in to GG Well Played and we've been giving our impressions of the Mass Effect Legendary Edition, especially the first Mass Effect. We're going to continue playing the whole trilogy and we'll give you our full review of it later. Thanks Kelvin and Najman for joining me. If you'd like to listen to this episode again, you can find the podcast on bfm.my, our app available on the Apple App Store or Google Play and also Spotify. Do share your thoughts about the show or the games that you play via our email, ggwp at bfm.my. Don't forget to also follow the station on Twitter at BFM Radio. My name is Sanif Baharuddin. Thanks for joining us. Game on and stay safe. Till next time, GG Well Played. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.